Hi, this is Shelby. And Carolyn. We are two Canadian prairie ladies, raising babies, riding horses, and living the country life. We are on a journey to find health and wealth while building our ranches, and we want to share the journey with you. In this podcast, you can expect to hear us share our own experiences, as well as interview other inspiring humans. We'll cover topics such as human health, horse health, barrel racing, building a ranch, and so much more. We are ready to dig into the tough conversations like mental health, motherhood, farming challenges, finances, you name it. You will walk away from this podcast with tips, tricks, and strategies that will have you finding more joy and peace in your journey. We know there's a lot of juggling that goes into this lifestyle because we are living it. And as a nurse myself and Carolyn with a master's in animal science, we have a lot to bring to the conversation. So grab your coffee to go, throw on your messy bun and muck boots. Let's head to the barn and chat because we have business to take care of and we're sure you do too. Welcome to the Ride Like a Mother podcast. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Ride Like a Mother podcast. Uh, today, you have me, Carolyn, here, and my co-host, Shelby, and we're joined today by um, Kirsty, Dr. Kirsty Oswald from the Elm Creek Equine Veterinary Services. So she's based out of Manitoba, and uh, today she's going to come and talk to us about gastric ulcers in horses, which is a super important topic, um, especially for us barrel racers. And on top of that, she is also a mom. So I'm sure that will come up in conversation today too, but we're going to focus mostly on the gastric ulcers and uh, yeah, and answer some of the most common questions about it. But first, uh, Kirsty, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into um, equine veterinary practice and like what drew you to it? Uh, so I grew up riding, uh, taking lessons, bought my first horse or had my first horse bought for me by my lovely parents when I was about 11. Um, I rode reining competition horses most of my childhood and I really quite enjoyed like competition but I I liked trying to keep them comfortable a little bit more I, I was really interested in the side of like how to get the horses prepared for the shows and that kind of thing uh so when I started university it just kind of seemed like a natural progression and natural career path for me I was very lucky to be able to come back home to Manitoba and get a job working with horses so it um it kind of I was really lucky in that the idea that popped into my head when I was a young kid was I was able to follow that path pretty directly, mm -hmm. which is, I mean, it took me a really long time, like <laughs> 10 years of school and so on, a long, long time, but uh, it was a pretty direct path from this sounds interesting to now I'm doing it. So. <laughs> Considering so it's cool. like six years of school, like the direct, it might be direct, but it's still, yeah. <laughs> Takes, yeah yeah takes a bit of effort <laughs> oh, yes yes it was a long long progress or long process um but mm -hmm. definitely worth it I'm enjoying what I do I like it excellent Absolutely. and that's so cool that you found out at like a young age you're just like this is what I'm doing and then followed through for 10 years of school that's yeah. amazing <laughs> like, serious wow. commitment right there yes yeah, I waffled a few times. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not for very long, 
but like when I was in university, you take so many different courses, you have to take so many different courses that thoughts go through your head about different paths that you should think about. Mm-hmm. Like I worked with pigs for a while, which I really enjoyed. Um, very, very interesting animals. Uh, I took some business courses, except for I always showed up in like really dirty clothes and everybody else showed up in like dress pants and high heels and um, <laughs> I didn't belong. So <laughs> I kind of dropped that idea, but it, yeah, I'm happy where I am and I'm happy that I didn't decide to go down a different path. That's good. <laughs> I love that. Um, but let's focus like on our topic. Um, as horse owners, we all have heard of gastric ulcers. Um, can you explain what they actually are and how they develop in horses? Yeah, so that's a big, actually a big conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, at the very basis of gastric ulcers, ulcers are a sore, like an, a break in the mucosa that's within the stomach. So in a horse, there's two different portions of the stomach. There's the upper, what we call squamous portion, and then there's the lower glandular portion. And you can get ulcers in both different portions, but they're very different from each other. And the way that we treat them is a little bit different and what causes them is a little bit different. Um, And so it's not a kind of a one size fits all type of problem. Um, When you diagnose ulcers you have to figure out which like which portion that you're in and that kind of helps you figure out what's causing them um but at the very beginning just to kind of cover the first part of this an ulcer is just a break in the mucosa whether that that break is in the squamous mucosa or the glandular mucosa you've got some sort of open sore that's within the stomach that's painful to the horse mm-hmm. So that is that like the lining that's between your stomach, like the contents of your stomach and your blood? Like what's the, where does it go between? So, okay. Um, food enters the stomach through the esophagus and it falls into basically like an empty pouch. Um, if you picture, this is really going to sound strange, but if you picture like a... <laughs> We love straight. I asked you like a very visual question on a podcast. That was not fair. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Uh, If you picture a bagpipe, actually, it's a really odd image. Yeah, but you like it's like a big round sack that kind of um, starts bigger on one side and then curves down and comes around. If that makes sense, and the Mm -hmm. acid of the stomach sits on the lower end, right? It's going to follow gravity. So it sits down low in this, in the stomach and the glandular portion sits like the acid mostly sits in that glandular portion. And depending on how much food is in the stomach and how the stomach is currently moving and what's like, what's being digested or if anything's being digested, but the acid usually sits mostly in the glandular portion of the stomach. And then the squamous portion of the stomach sits a technically above the acid if the if the stomach is empty but that changes when there's food in the stomach because it fills up that lower portion and then the acid moves right so um and it also depends on the current like configuration of the stomach the stomach is an active organ so it's always moving and it's not always just sitting like like perfectly still and so the acid is constantly moving as well um so this the esophagus enters the stomach there's kind of a an upper area a larger main area, then you go down into the ventral or bottom portion, 
and it um, comes around and there's the exit, which is what we call the pylorus, is off to the side. So there's almost like a little curve around and then a tunnel, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm envisioning it. I absolutely. Got it. Yes. I'm following you. <laughs> Yeah, the bagpipe thing seems to make sense to some people if you picture it like without all the things sticking out of it. But uh, mm -hmm. like the, the big sack that can move and has the one exit, like the main exit um, mm -hmm. called the pylorus. So, yeah, um, just to take that one step farther, the glandular portion of the stomach is used to being exposed to acid because that's where the acid normally sits so it normally has a protective mechanism against acid so that it doesn't like acid wears away at things right you think about lemon juice we use it in cleaning all the time vinegar those types of things so acid will constantly try to wear away from whatever it's sitting against so the glandular portion of the stomach has protective mechanisms against that where the squamous portion of the stomach it actually doesn't it has like no protective mechanisms against acid so the when the squamous portion of the stomach is exposed to acid it doesn't have a way of of fighting it all whereas in the glandular portion and this is kind of still a little bit theoretical I don't know if it's been complete has been uh, completely definitively defined, but it's a breakdown of the protective mechanisms in the glandular portion of the stomach. So it stops protecting itself against acid and then that acid does start to irritate it. Okay. Does that have something to do with like the pH of the acid in the stomach? That's what causes the breakdown possibly. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So it, <laughs> It's a complicated process, but the mm -hmm. pH of the stomach will vary from like one to about six. Seven is neutral. So the acid is always going to be acidic, but depending on what's in the stomach and how much acid is there, it's going to be either more acidic or less acidic. So what like the changes that we make to try to treat and prevent ulcers are based almost, well, partially on trying to increase the pH more towards a neutral pH and decrease the acidity of the stomach. Right. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So as horse owners, I mean, one of the biggest things that we are concerned about is like, how can we tell if our horse has ulcers? And like, yeah. So can you tell us what some of the like telltale signs are, or I know it's very complicated, but, um, what are the, very the stuff that you can come up? Yeah. <laughs> This is actually one of my favorite questions when it comes to gastric ulcers because it's it's so varied um, and it's so interesting at the same time, the way that every horse responds to these. Um, most commonly reported pieces of history in horses, like if I'm just talking, having a conversation with somebody and this comes up, uh, I start thinking about ulcers. I mean, I start thinking about a million different things all at once, but ulcers is always part of the conversation and it's a change in behavior or poor performance. Like they're, they're so generalized because every horse responds so differently. But most of the time I'm having a conversation with somebody and they're like, man, Tuesday, they were so good. And then Wednesday, just terrible. And then 
Thursday, they were good. And then Friday, everything was going fine. And then they came around this turn really weird. And all of a sudden, he just took off. And it's like really weird, unpredictable type of things. Or like my horse all of a sudden doesn't come up to me in the pasture anymore. And he used to all the time, like what's happening. So it can be really, really subtle things like that, that people are noticing with gastric ulcers, which I mean, is so frustrating for horse owners because like mm-hmm. your horse all of a sudden doesn't want to come up to you in the pasture. Like that could also just mean that they put a new bale out, right? Like yeah. <laughs> or it could mean that it's really quite nice and the bugs aren't bad and he wants nothing to do with you. So um, <laughs> it's, it's very interesting how differently some horses react. Like some horses will grind their teeth and switch their tail and like try to bite you when you're putting the saddle on other Mm. horses you'll get on and they'll just take off or they'll buck or they'll kick or like they're very dramatic reactions. Whereas other horses will just put the brakes on and they won't move and you cannot get them to move Mm. no matter what you do. Right. I mean, they're a horse they're pretty stuff um (laughs) or you get like a horse that um tries really really hard for you and is like just you know sometimes you come across those horses that are like i'm gonna do this because they asked me to no matter what like i really want to be a good boy and all you see is like a slight tightening of their eyes and their ears kind of turn back and they're just like a little uncomfortable right so it's i mean very interesting and um very tricky when it comes to diet like deciding whether or not a horse has ulcers and whether we should chase down ulcers based on their clinical signs. Um, If you want like a list of clinical signs, uh, your very, very typical super, like super gastric ulcer type signs are girthiness and cinchiness. Like they don't want the the girth done up. They'll switch their tail, they'll bite at you, they grind their teeth, that kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Painful behavior when moving. Sometimes like even one horse I diagnosed uh, with gastric ulcers, the only thing that he did because he was such a good boy was he would just stress himself out and his rest rate was just always really high when you rode. Like it would have never come down. He couldn't recover from exercise because he would just kind of sit there and be like, and it that was all oh. he did. It took us a long time to figure that one out. Um, back pain can be associated with gastric ulcers aggression, cribbing, nervousness, uh, reluctance to move forward, change in eating habits. So they used to eat really good and all of a sudden they're not. Uh, Mm -hmm. Intermittent colic, that's another one. Horses that are kind of gas colicking over and over over again. Um, Weight loss, muscle loss, poor quality hair coat. So it really (laughs) ranges from very, very subtle signs to very, very extreme signs. I'm not mm-hmm. laughing at your answers. You sound very knowledgeable. I'm laughing because it's like, okay, so it Everything. could be anything, <laughs> basically. Like, oh, that's so frustrating that it's so, it would be so difficult to diagnose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that must be a very tough one for you as a veterinarian, too, because, like, how do you even figure that out? <laughs> it's tough. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. I mean, we're getting better at it uh i think that as gastric ulcers like i mean we're raising awareness we're talking to people about them more we're diagnosing them more we're treating them more often uh it it does become a lot more obvious to us but anytime i go talk to somebody about their horse and talk about things that are happening that they're unhappy with or they don't think the horse is is right in some way 
it comes with a physical exam, right? So we look the whole horse over, we watch the move. Um, we kind of have to rule out a lot of things like pain for other reasons, such as musculoskeletal skeletal pain, um, which is really important. So it's something that I very rarely would ever just have somebody call and be like, I need to like, I think my horse has ulcers, let's treat it kind of thing. Unless I have previous knowledge of the horse or I've looked at the horse or something like that, almost guaranteed it's going to start with an exam to rule out all the other things that could be caused by it. Um, and sometimes, sorry, this is going down a whole rabbit hole, um, but sometimes there are lots of other things wrong with the horse. And you've got a horse that's got a lame left hind and you're like, oh, well, that could be what's causing it. And then you fix the left hind and the problem still hasn't gone away and then all of a sudden their back sore and and then you try to fix the back pain and then there's still these gastric ulcer symptoms so um i find that gastric ulcers tend to be part of a like a they're part of a a pain process in that they can be primary or secondary but they're not always the only thing that we find and they're commonly not the only thing that we find and when you diagnose ulcers you're usually also trying to help the horse in other ways so that you can make their whole body feel better and that you're mm -hmm. not going to just treat the ulcers and then have them get them again because their left hind still hurts or something like that right um, yeah i'm continuing down your little rabbit hole here <laughs> sorry um <laughs> So do you find that ulcers are like a primary reason why they're having the back pain? So you kind of focus on the back pain and then it all comes back to the ulcers, a lot of their issues. It Depending definitely on can go that way. <laughs> yeah, it can go the other way as well. So they can have primary back pain and as a result, they're stressed out and they're not feeling well. So they get gastric ulcers um, mm -hmm. or the gastric ulcers can come first. So they start moving funny because they're trying to protect their stomach so then they start using their backs wrong so then they start getting back pain um so and like i've used this analogy several times before and somebody's going to hear me and roll their eyes at me but it's like peeling an <laughs> onion like you're you're trying to figure out uh which one came first and at the end of the day it doesn't really matter which one came first because you're you're trying to find all the problems and treat all the problems so that at the end of at the end of the whole treatment process, you have a horse that's comfortable everywhere and you're not going to backslide in some way. So it um, gastric ulcers definitely can be primary for sure. A lot of uh, like stress, even something like stress can cause ulcers. Horses that compete a lot, they travel a lot, their uh, schedules are getting changed, they're moving all over the place. Even something like that can predispose a horse to developing gastric ulcers. Um, and so that would be primary, but that will make your horses move differently and could potentially cause problems in like the musculoskeletal system. Right. So it's, um, yeah, they happen both ways. Horses that have had previous illnesses, like if they got sick or something like that, those will, they can develop ulcers as well. Mm. Totally. Like that's where you... in... oh, go. Go ahead. <laughs> it's totally a chicken or egg scenario there. Like, uh. Does it really matter? But still. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's where you wish that they were just like, my stomach hurts. You know, yeah. like where we're like, we have indigestion. <laughs> like, just tell me, tell me how you feel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, but some of them do tell you. Nope, go for it. Okay. 
I was just going to go to the next question, but I'm going to kind of add a little bit to it if that's okay. Cause we kind of dabbled on like diagnosing, but how do you determine that your horses have like the ulcers? How do you diagnose and treat them when you find out that that's what they have? The diagnosis of gastric ulcers is, um, kind of tricky. Unfortunately, there's no good way to see into the stomach for sure, unless you physically see into the stomach. So Mm -hmm. the definitive diagnosis to absolutely be entirely sure that they're there and check the severity of them, check the location of them. Uh, We actually pass a camera down into the stomach. It's a procedure called gastroscopy. Um, Basically just means we scope the stomach. It sounds fancy. It's not. Um, But the, the procedure has to happen on an empty stomach. So it's, it's something that it takes a bit of preparation. It's not something that I can walk into the barn and do be like, Oh, I think your horse is ulcers. Let's scope it and immediately do it. Um, the horse's stomach has to be fairly empty, which involves fasting the horse for a period of time and pulling water for a period of time. And then I pass a scope, um, like a camera up their nose, through their throat, down their esophagus and into their stomach. And then we can actually just stand there with a, a, computer screen and you can see like everybody can see it's something like I ours just works on an iPad um that you can actually see as I look around the stomach and I can show you the actual ulcers that are there um it's very interesting and clients really enjoy like seeing oh yeah look there's a there's a it looks like a wound inside the stomach or like multiple wounds inside the stomach. Uh, and you can actually see like, yeah, that would be painful. And my horse is probably reacting to them. Um, so I can look at the squamous portion of the stomach and then I can look at the glandular portion of the stomach and we'll grade those two separately and figure out what the best method of treatment is from there. So it is, it's not a, um, it's not a terrible procedure. It takes about an hour, depending on on the situation where we are and um, how bad the ulcers are, that kind of thing. So it's mostly just a preparation for it that's important to do properly. Because if I go into the stomach with a scope and there's a big pile of food there, then and I um, I can't see very much, unfortunately. The the food beats my scope strength. I can't yeah. get by it. <laughs> uh, that's so cool that it connects to like an iPad and you can show them like right there. Like technology is wow. yeah. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I know. It's very, very cool. I uh I don't know. I didn't never pictured myself doing something like that when I mean I I grew up in horse in horses, but this is somewhat new, I guess, like being able to do this on a farm and just bring everything with me is pretty cool. I think it's, I mean, it's been around for a lot longer than I probably know of, but it, uh, it's just becoming more and more popular and more and more common to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what are ways that you can treat, treat the ulcers? Like, is it more so a medication-based, anti-stress-based? <laughs> Well, all of the above. Um, (laughs) Treatment of ulcers is a combination of environmental change and medication change. So like causes of ulcers, um, there's so many different ones. We talked about stress. Uh, Other big one is diet as well. There's been a lot of studies into the way that we feed our horses. 
horses that aren't on free access of hay all the time are more prone to developing ulcers because when this horse's stomach is empty, there's nothing there to buffer the acids that's there. So that acid is just sitting in the stomach, uh, potentially causing problems. So you want horses eating all the time to introduce introduce food into that environment. Uh, also, their saliva, as they're chewing, their saliva is a buffer as well. So the more they chew, the more they swallow their saliva, that helps. Um, and then the other... Diet, free access hay, it depends on the hay as well. I mean, you want a good quality hay that's not super, super stemmy, but also not super, super leafy. Um, although leafy hay is probably better than stemmy hay, just because like super stemmy hay doesn't digest very well. Um, mm -hmm. The stomach doesn't actually get much use out of it, unfortunately. And also horses tend not to chew it properly. You don't get as much saliva introduction, that kind of thing. Um, Carbohydrates are will predispose the stomachs to developing more acid as well. Uh, they're the way that they are metabolized is into uh, volatile fatty acids, which are an acidic product, right? So, an, like too much carbohydrates can also be a problem as well. Um, that becomes very tricky and i don't want to say anything today that is like very hard and fast rule like you can't if your horse has gastric ulcers you absolutely can't feed it grain kind of thing because mm -hmm. i mean if you're off the track thoroughbred has gastric ulcers you also can't stop feeding it grain because then it'll go down to a body condition score of two in like two weeks right they just they're so sensitive and you really need to feed them properly and you like very rarely can you ever really get away with um like not feeding them anything other than hay unless you have like a really good alfalfa hay and, and a, on a specific type of thoroughbred right so mm -hmm. it, it's very much finding a, a balance in taking care of your horse properly with their diet and making sure that their body condition is good and they're healthy and trying not to overload their carbohydrates trying to make sure they have hay all the time uh it nutrition wise when it comes to treatment of ulcers it really needs a conversation with your vet uh, because your vet is going to know you, your horse, the situation that they're stabled in, uh, the situation that you ride in, all of those things are factors into how mm -hmm. to develop a proper nutritional plan for your horse um, and trying to make it work with the situation that you're in. Like not everybody has a horse that can live outside 24 seven. Not everybody has like proper turnout for that right so mm -hmm. and then not everybody else has access to stalls where their horse can come in and like if they're stressed out in the field they can't necessarily come in and stay in a stall overnight so it's um there's a lot of things that say yeah this is good and this is good but it really depends on you and your horse and your situation and your veterinarian is the best person to work with you to develop a program in that regard when it comes to treatment of ulcers mm -hmm. um but that is definitely part of the treatment process for horses um stress reduction so if you just move your horse into a pen that like i don't know they don't like the other horses or the other horses don't let them eat those types of things you might need to think about moving that horse to a different location just because I mean, that's a constant source of stress for them, right? Mm -hmm. And then again, they're not eating the way that they're supposed to. So then there becomes the nutritional aspect of it. Um, oh, what other things? Other types of pain. So uh, musculoskeletal pain. Um, 
Let's go. Let's go. A little pain. Saddle fit is another one. Like oh, bit yeah. choice. Mm-hmm. Um, oral health as well. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oral health is very important. Uh, horses that can't chew and digest properly will be. Um, they'll have a harder time like buffering their food. Their bodies will have a hard time uh, digesting the food that they do chew because like food particles that go in really big will like come out really big and that's harder on the stomach as well. Um, So oral health is a really big one, making sure that they can chew properly. Uh, Horses that potentially have Cushing's are like won't heal from ulcers as well like their their immune systems just are compromised a little bit more than other horses and so if you're trying to treat a horse that has cushing and has gastric ulcers you're going to have a very limited cushing at the same time um all sorts of different things that uh we kind of go through as i'm having a conversation with somebody about gastric ulcers we go through all of these different environmental riding training all these different mm-hmm areas so the medical side of things primarily we use one to two different types of medications um let me know if i cut out again sorry guys um the first medication that we use the one that you're going to be most familiar with is called omeprazole uh omeprazole is a proton pump inhibitor so it actually stops the pumps that produce acid and in that way will decrease the acid in the stomach make it more neutral and less irritating to the stomach lining or the stomach mucosa um it's a nice medication that it's like you can just give it once a day it's effective for 24 hours it's the most effective medication that we have for the treatment of gastric ulcers like hands down without a doubt um there are multiple different types of omeprazole out there the primary one that people are going to have heard about is called gastrogard and it's a brand name product uh it's a it's a really really nice product the reason why it's so nice is that it's formulated in a way where the omeprazole goes into the stomach and it doesn't get digested by the acids. So omeprazole, to actually do the function that it needs to do, it has to go through the stomach and into the small intestine and get absorbed from the small intestine into Mm -hmm. the blood. And then it goes back to the stomach to affect the proton pumps from there. So if that medication can't make its way through the stomach, then you're losing part of the medication it's just getting digested. So the omeprazole in gastrogard is protected by the formulation that they use. So it it passes through the stomach nicely, where some of the other formulations that are out there, like a compounded omeprazole, um, I think some of the studies that are out there say something like 15% of it gets through, uh, which is significantly less. And yes, mm-hmm. it's it, like gastrogard is super expensive. I'm not even going to deny that at all. Um, <laughs> but compounded omeprazole yes, is... <laughs> of the medications. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Omeprazole is, it's it, like gastrogard, sorry, in particular is very expensive, but compounded omeprazole, if you're only getting 15% efficacy out of it, um, it's decently expensive enough that if you're losing more than half of it, every time you give it, it, I like it's, it might end up costing you the same amount of money, honestly. Um, or the compounded omeprazole just like won't treat the ulcers at all. And then you've spent the money for nothing. Yeah. So yeah, the the good thing about Gastrogard is, in my experience, it's extremely effective. Like I've I've had horses treated for two months regularly, um, 
and then had clear scopes at the end of it. And I've had one horse, I think, need a third month. But out of all the horses that I scoped, which is lots, um, like that was one horse, which is is pretty reasonable. So it's mm-hmm. it it works. It's nice in that way. Like I can, when you're scoping, you can literally go in and say, yeah, like there's nothing here. That's good. so cool. So if you treat with GastroGuard, but you change nothing else, is it likely that they'll get ulcers again? Like, or once they're healed, is that kind of good? What's your take on that? I personally think that horses are oddly predisposed to gastric ulcers. Like, it seems like a thing that they get more than any other animal I've heard of. Um, and I think that's partly because of their athletes. Like we ask them to do so much for us. There's maybe there's, I don't know if there's any research into athletic dogs in the same way, but horses' stomachs, the way that they're designed with the mucosal, uh, the glandular portion, the squamous portion, that is like fairly unique. Um, and there's not many other species like that. So I think that predisposes them to ulcers. And I think the way that we treat them and how much we ask out of them predisposes them to ulcers. So personally, I think if you treat gastric ulcers, but you also have a horse that's lame and you like spend all of your time on the road, trailering it to shows constantly without ever giving it a break, I think it's going to get ulcers again. So Mm -hmm. it like, it might not happen immediately. Like if you treat it and they're gone, I don't think it's going to be, you know, next week or something like that necessarily. It might be, but it might not be next week that you're starting to see the appearance of them again, but next show season or if you treat them in like in April at the beginning of the show season and you don't change anything else then maybe by August or September you might be dealing with ulcers all over again so when it comes to gastric ulcers it's very much a conversation between you and your veterinarian with how to optimize your horse's health and their comfort level what changes do I need to make um, how do I make those changes and also you know maintain my like my competition schedule, that kind of thing. So what do I need to do to make this happen? Um, there are preventions as well. So, I mean, omeprazole mm-hmm. is the main treatment. Um, there's another one that we use called sucralfate that is a protective mechanism and it like coats the ulcers and protects it from acid. Um, so I'll just pop that one in there because I didn't mention it before. But when it comes to prevention, I mean, we can talk about like GastroGuard has a preventative dose so you can give a quarter of a tube instead of a full tube while your horse is going through a stressful period so over a show or during trailering or when you're introducing it to a new herd um, you can give this preventative dose which is a lower dose it's much more reasonably like cost effective Um, and if you know that your horse is predisposed to ulcers you can do this to try to prevent it from coming back again there there are also uh, like well-researched supplements that can help as well. Um, and we do try to have a conversation with the owner of the horse while we're treating the horse for ulcers to discuss like, what's our plan going forward? What are we going to do to try to prevent this from happening again? How do we maintain the health of the stomach now that we've made the stomach healthy? What do we want to do to try to keep it that way? So it's definitely not a one and done type of procedure. Like there's horses that are, there's there are horses that you can treat them and they're not going to get them again, but there are horses that you're going to 
treat over and over and over again, unless you figure out a way to maintain that health, like, and it, it becomes, it depends on the horse, how you need to do it. But there's a lot of horses that need to be like, you need to think about ulcers all the time for the, for the rest of their like career, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. When we got into this conversation, I had no idea how in depth it would be and like how, <laughs> how gastric ulcers actually operate. So this is very fascinating for me. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a very much an overall health type of issue. It sounds mm-hmm. like. Yes, absolutely. It is. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think because I'm here to talk about ulcers, I like, maybe I could be accused of blowing it a little bit out of proportion um, and talking a little bit more seriously about it than I need to, but I've seen a lot of people have horses with ulcers that they have a brand new horse at the end of it and Mm -hmm. they maintain the horse differently now and are, you know, very happy with the way that things are going. So it's, I think if you take it seriously at the beginning and really like try hard, then you're going to end up with a better result than if you, ah, well, they kind of seem like they're a little ulcery, so I'll treat for a few days, and then, oh, well, it didn't work, so I'll treat for a few days the next month. Like, it's really worth it to treat and get the ulcers gone completely so that you're just putting them on a maintenance program instead of, you know, well, we got them almost gone, but an an ulcer that's almost gone is still an open sore in the Mm -hmm. stomach. So if you stop treatment, that open sore is just going to get bigger again. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's really important to make them go away completely or as completely as you possibly can before you try to get them on like a a long-term maintenance program. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And for preventative measures, like, cause you brought up the word supplements. So I have to kind of t- dabble on that. Um, but would you say it's better for a horse to do like the more emotional, uh, focus on nutrition, kind of those aspects rather than just putting them on a supplement and continuing the same process, you know, like still introducing their stressors and everything else. Is it still a good strategy to just give them a supplement to help with the lining. Do you know what, do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So personally, I, I have no issue with supplements at all. I mean, mm-hmm. I have some issue with some supplements, but that's whole other conversation. Um, yes. I think Fair. supplements are an important part of a horse's uh, like career. I like you, mm-hmm. the right supplement for the right horse is, is an important thing. However, I don't think supplements are a magical treatment I don't think on, mm-hmm. on that hand I don't think that gastroguard is a magical treatment like if you don't if you don't change anything in your horse's life and it's just a gigantic pile of stress you can throw meprazole on it forever and it might not ever get rid of your ulcers right and mm-hmm. you can throw a supplement at it forever and it's not gonna do what it needs to do because you're just like I mean it's if you think about yourself as a human being, like you can't take Advil for stress. Um, not that Advil is anywhere near Meprazole, but it, it's, <laughs> it's that type of like analogy, right? Like you, mm-hmm. like we all know how we get when we're like mentally exhausted or we're just sore all over and we just need a break. Like you can't, you can only push through that for so long. And I think that our horses are one, I mean, I love horses. Um, 
horses are so good at pushing through for us. Like they really, Mm -hmm. really are the stuff that we get them to do and the stuff that they're like, yes, like this sounds fun. Let's do it. Even if they are a little bit body sore or like there's something Mm -hmm. else going on, like they will push through until they just absolutely can't anymore. Um, And I think that as owners, it's important for us to recognize if we're asking too much out of them or if there's a way that we can change their lifestyle to make it easier so that we're not just using like supplement band-aids or medical band-aids to fix things that we could fix in other ways. Right. So in that Mm -hmm. regard though, like if you have a horse that's got an amazing schedule and it has turnout and it also has stall time and it comes out of the bugs all the time and it competes a little bit, but it doesn't compete too much. And like everything's as perfect as you could possibly make it in that situation for that particular horse and you want to put it on a supplement absolutely go for it I'm totally okay with that um I would be happy to have a conversation with you about different types of supplements and which one you think works best for your horse and which ones we'd like to try like for sure I'm not um I try not to say no to anything uh, as Mm -hmm. long as it's reasonable and safe that's awesome I like that thanks for answering that (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I have one, I have another kind of nerdy question that I thought of. And okay, so say you give <laughs> the gas regard and it lowers the pH of their stomach, correct me if I'm wrong here, or the acidity of their stomach, but you need mm-hmm. the acidity to digest the food. So does it does the actually giving the gas regard for a while affect how they how much food they can get or like how they digest their food? No, not really. It does. It increases pH. So it it brings it closer to neutral. That's okay. But it still stays acidic. Like there's in my knowledge, at least, and maybe I need to look this up, but I've never seen a study where we were able to increase the pH of the stomach so far that it wasn't acidic anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And there hasn't been, yeah, (laughs) there hasn't been any evidence that horses need to eat any differently while on gastroguard or that you need to be concerned that they're not digesting properly. Um, Most of the time, horses that are on gastroguard, you, as long as they're on a good program, you do the exact same thing with them as you would always do. Um, There is one thing that I will bring up quickly. It seems appropriate. There you're blocking proton pumpers with the meprazole. Um, and so you're blocking those enzymes from producing acid. And when you take the horse off omeprazole, there's a little bit of what we call acid rebound, where the proton pumps all of a sudden kind of come back in full force. And you can have a little bit of like a drop in pH right after you take them off gastroguard. Um and so usually I was just reading the, uh, there's a consensus statement out from Europe, uh, an internal medicine consensus statement that I was reading. Uh, and there's some new research into this acid rebound, um, like timing after you take them off gastroguard or any type of meprazole, there's different types of meprazole around the world. Um, you have to be careful for the first few days after they're off of it to like really keep their stress levels low because their pH is quite low during that time. It does normalize quite quickly, but if they're on for about like one to two months or something like that, you have a few days after you take them off where you need to be careful with it. Um, And if they're on for a longer period of time than two months, then it's even longer after that. So there, there is, that would probably be, 
more of a concern to me than them digesting while they're on the gastric guard is making sure that those few days when you take them off are like really, really stress-free or you can wean them off by instead of doing a full tube and then nothing, you can do like half a tube for a while, then a quarter of a tube for a while and then drop them down like that. So you, you um, reduce the risk of acid rebound in that way. Okay. That's good to know. Slowly taper. That's good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Well, tell us a little bit about you and your plans. Um, we've seen lots of ads uh, for your webinars that are coming up. What's your plans for this year, 2023? Oh, dear. Um, right <laughs> now, we're just trying to make our way through the show season. Um, this mm -hmm. is a very busy time for everybody because shows are starting. It's summer. There's lots to do. We're all very excited. So most likely our clinics like webinars will uh, start up again in the fall in the winter. Mm -hmm. We really like doing like educational series when we have a little bit more time. We put on a way better quality um, of everything when I'm not <laughs> like working 12 hour days, Sleep 14 deprived. hour days, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so Speaking most likely involved. when it comes to educational <laughs> seminars and things. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. <laughs> when my kid sleeps through the night for the first time, I'm going to, I don't know. I'm going to like Probably I'm just going to go to work the next day, but I'm going to be really happy about it. <laughs> You're going to sleep for that little bit yeah. longer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, it's going to be good one day. But uh, yeah, so we're we're working mostly right now, trying to keep up with everybody else's busy lives and keep their horses healthy and happy and prepare i mean mosquitoes and flies are out in full force so our mm -hmm. vaccine season is like pretty much coming to an end almost now um now it gets into shows and competition and then education well breeding season right now is huge mm -hmm. lots of like we'll be doing that until july or august probably um for me personally i have a horse that's getting a tad neglected not actually neglected that's a <laughs> bad joke yeah. um but uh he has a lovely girl riding him right now it's just not me which makes me really sad and uh oh. so i'd like to eventually get back to doing that <laughs> we'll see you get back on after like a like a few months of not riding as much as you'd like and you're just like wow i've been riding for 10 minutes and my legs are really sore and i'd better get yes. off now Sorry. I used to ride bareback all the time and then I would be like totally fine after. Now I ride bareback for a session and I'm like I'm like a cripple for a day after that or a couple of days. Or like I feel like a cow with oh, bowed yeah. legs. I'm just like waddling around. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Probably like ride five days a week bareback and then I would be <laughs> Oh sure. Yeah, yeah, there's lots of time for that, hey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll just like make lunches on the back of my horse or something like that. I can do that. Yeah. That's fine. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Fit it in somehow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know what? We're all busy. It's important to give ourselves a break too. We can only do so much. But I feel like riding is really yes. good for us. Like to just have a mental break and connect mm -hmm. with our horses again and stuff. So uh two two yeah. sides of the coin. I, uh... <laughs> yes well exactly yeah i know right if we're gonna use them as our stress relief we should make sure that they're not stressed too right 
Oh, that's a good wrap up to this episode. Wow, you just yeah. brought that full circle. That was good. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and if people have any questions about our conversation, how can listeners kind of get in touch with you with their horsey problems? <laughs> Uh, so I work with Elm Creek Equine Veterinary Services. Um, we are online. I mean, you Google elmcreekequine.com, I think. I don't know. I haven't actually done that for a while. I'm pretty sure it's elmcreekequine.com. Um, but, uh, or just put it in Google and it'll come up and mm-hmm. you can get a hold of the office and let them know what your questions are. And one of the vets will get back to you as soon as we can. Um, if you have like particular questions about this, uh, like episode or things that you want to discuss, then just let them know. And I'll make sure that I I'm the one that answers and we can have a conversation. I love, I like talking to people about their horses and the things that are going on with their horses. So I'm happy, happy to talk to people. Probably I talk too much. <laughs> it's That's such perfect. Information. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> hey, well, thank you so much for joining us today. And that was just a jam-packed episode. I know it'll be super useful for those of us that mm-hmm. have our competition horses or all of our horses, actually. But anyway, yes, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It was a good conversation. I appreciate it. and thank you to all our listeners for uh, listening in today we really appreciate you joining us for these episodes and if you want to hear more episodes make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you always get updated when there's new ones and you can follow us on instagram or facebook to see sneak peeks or uh, just um news on which episodes are coming out next and uh yeah we'll see you at the next jackpot